Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ponder what life would be like if we were old and single. We present another edition of Ads and Fads. We introduce you to the Geezer Squad, a group of seniors providing fix-it services. We learn about aging from aging chimpanzees. We discover that it's not easy to hide a gold commode. And we consider the options today's seniors have for relationships if they should become single again. In the Old Dogs Conversation, we catch up with fast-moving Carolyn Strauss, former fashion model, home shopping network mainstay, keynote speaker, podcaster, and who knows what else. Stay with us. It's that time again, Paul. Uh, oh, really? Lunch? Uh, no. No, oh. it's time for you to tell me what's on your mind. Ah. Well, you know, we have a piece in today's uh, podcast about new options for seniors when they form a relationship. Yes, we do. Um, and that started me thinking a bit about it. Have you ever contemplated uh, being the survivor in your relationship? Well, as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a big age difference with me and my wife, so there's no hope for me. But the question that was raised is, if you're going to enter into another relationship after you've already had a long-term relationship, how do you want to define it? And uh, in the piece today, uh, seniors have lots of options. So anyway, I was thinking that based on this article, seniors who are single have a lot of options mm -hmm. if they want to form a second relationship. Right. And uh, it was something that maybe you and I should think about. Yeah, it's certainly something that my wife and I have begun to talk about what's going to happen, let's say, 10 years or 15 years from now. Did you decide who's going to be the survivor? Uh, or what? <laughs> we're flipping coins for that. Uh, okay, right fair enough. Yeah. No, I mean, it is a, a an issue that we simply don't want to face. Right. Uh, that if one of us passes before the other, what does the, the survivor do? Uh, and I hadn't actually considered all these options until reading this article. And also the whole issue of long-term care uh -huh. is something that we have to confront, whether it's in our current marriages or if we are going to enter into another relationship later in life where there may be some differences in health. Boy, I hadn't even considered that. And, of course, I hadn't considered actually establishing another relationship with someone uh, at that point, it just never even crossed my mind. Oh, frankly. your wife won't let you? Is well, it's it's <laughs> debatable. Um, yeah, but what if there is a, a problem with that? I, I certainly wouldn't want to be trapped into establishing a relationship with somebody and then ending up just caring for them in their dotage. Right, and at, at a point in your life where you probably don't have as much energy as you mm. had earlier. Or strength. Life, you know, and it could be... Uh, I think I experienced that with my mother. My my father was ill for several years before he passed, and I think it was very hard on my my mother. She had to yeah. take care of him. Well, that's and they didn't even change relationships. It was just the way things were. Right. But what do you think? I mean, is there something that has sparked your 
motivation uh, if that situation should occur to you and you find yourself single? Well, chances are rare because my wife is younger than I oh, am. Yeah. Um, but w- were I to uh, be the surviving uh, partner in a couple, um, I'm sure there would be some point when I would want companionship, when I would be looking around for somebody uh, to share my life with because I just – I like uh, – being raised in captivity. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you consider, for example, a senior escort service? Um, buying or selling? <laughs> <laughs> For our next ads and fads, we're focused on a home cleaning product introduced by Colgate Palmolive in 1947. In the 50s, the ads for this product featured three animated elves who sang the theme song. The song promised that you would stop paying the elbow tax when you started using this product. It became the number one household cleanser in the 60s. We'll be back with the answer later in this podcast. If you are retired, live in the Woodlands, Texas, and know your way around tools, you might consider joining the Geezer Squad. This pod nugget is from the Houston Chronicle for March 26, 2021. Now, the Geezer Squad started about 11 years ago with a group of seniors who were members of the Woodlands United Methodist Church. They heard about an elderly grandma who needed a wheelchair ramp into her trailer. After building the ramp, the group decided to stay together and they coined the term Geezer Squad. The group, which now numbers about 100 volunteers, is open to anyone, but is predominantly retired men who are able to work on projects during weekdays. Their ages range from 65 to 85, and they've tackled everything from replacing drywall to working on a Habitat for Humanity build. For the members, it is a fun way to give back to the community. One volunteer said, I think most of the guys don't look at it as work. It's a fun opportunity to get together with other men to talk and give each other a little grief and do something good. Well, here's to the geezer squad. That a way to howl at the moon, guys. Yeah, I'll see. We could learn something about aging from studying chimps in the wild. They have to fend for themselves. This pod nugget is from the National Geographic for July 1st, 2021. When Auntie Rose died in 2007, she was the oldest wild chimp known at the time. She was 63, and her final months had been difficult. She'd lost all her body hair and was reduced to crawling about in the forest to find food. You know, I've had days like that. Really, I've noticed. But until the very end, Auntie Rose had been surviving on her own. Adult chimpanzees rarely share food, even with older animals, so senior chimps have to keep up the effort to find their own meals. As they age, they are less active and may become a bit feeble, but they're still able to manage. As one researcher put it, they handle old age better than we do. They just power along. It's amazing. Now, let's be clear, we are not advocating putting seniors in a preserve and letting them forage for food. We're not? No. no. But there is something to learn from the chimp self-reliance. People often become less active as they age. The discomfort that comes with movement encourages a sedentary lifestyle for many of us. The result is death by recliner. Whereas chimps like Rose had to walk many miles to find food each day, which led to aging in a healthier way. 
For humans, the lesson is it's not physical activity, but rather inactivity that makes us frail. If you are accepting bribes and you want to hide that fact, you should probably avoid extravagant purchases uh, like a gold toilet. This pod nugget is from the Sky (laughs) News for July 20th, 2021. This news is from that wild, wacky, and dysfunctional country, Russia. A senior traffic officer from the southern region of Stavropol, not the northern region, was arrested on suspicion of accepting bribes from grain transporters. He is believed to have led a criminal gang which issued permits to grain cargo transporters for, let's call it an unofficial (laughs) fee. The permits allow the transporters to ignore regional laws when crossing police checkpoints on their journey to flour mills. The bribes from the grain transporters amounted to hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is a lot of bread, no matter how you slice it. Officials released photos of the mansion belonging to the police colonel, who was the ringleader of the gang. The lavish rooms of the mansion included extravagant decorations, a billiards hall, and a gold toilet. Now that this policeman has been defunded, we assume his possessions will be auctioned off. You can probably get a good deal on a used gold commode for your guest bathroom. Oh, yeah. Or, or what about a table? What do you think? A gold commode for a table? Well, yeah, with the cover down. Fearing that a romantic attachment in later life could mean full-time caregiving, some folks our age are choosing commitment without sharing a home. This pod nugget is from the New York Times for July 16, 2021. With increased longevity and a divorce rate for seniors that has doubled in the last 30 years, there are many senior singles in the U.S. Some choose not to enter into another relationship, relying on family and friends to meet their social needs. Others are actively looking for another partner, as witnessed by such dating sites as Silver Singles and Senior Match. Even when seniors find a suitable partner, they may choose to cohabitate rather than marry. There are often financial reasons for not remarrying tied to pension and Social Security benefits from a previous spouse. There is another category of senior relationships that are called LATS, for living apart together. This means that a couple maintains separate homes while spending time together. Many older women in particular fear a romance may lead to full-time caregiving if they're living together. This is a reasonable concern since women generally outlive men by four to five years. Since living expenses are doubled, lat living is more popular with people that have the financial resources to maintain two homes. Living apart also means avoiding the inevitable squabbles about merging possessions or compromises about different lifestyles. However you want to style a relationship in your later years, therapists recommend discussing it early on to avoid misunderstanding, particularly when the issue is caregiving. There are alternatives to partner care such as paid caregivers and assisted living. The answer for our ads and fads question is Ajax Cleanser. Remember this, Diddy? Use Ajax, boom, boom. the foaming cleanser. Boom, 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 boom. Floats the dirt right down the drain. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn Strauss had a friend who encouraged her to be a plus-size model in New York City, which she did for a long time. 
She developed what she learned into a successful line of clothing, a successful speaking career, many successful years on the Home Shopping Network, a successful and fun podcast called Another Day Above Ground, and let's face it, a pretty darn successful life so far. Hey, Hi. thanks for joining us Jeez, today. you look so much better than we do. Why is that? <laughs> Hair, makeup, and touch up my appearance. Thank God for Zoom. Touch up my appearance. <laughs> you know you can do that, right? Yes. Hey, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. You're a Massachusetts girl, but you don't sound like a Massachusetts girl. I went to Emerson College, and they got the they got the accent right out of me. But if I spend a couple of hours with my mother, I start talking like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that explains it. So, how did you get from Emerson to New, New York, York as a model? I decided to make it up. I was at acting school in Boston, and my best friend Peter Bazima said to me. You know, the plus size modeling thing is happening. You should be a model. You're you're chubby and you're so you had to be pretty poised and proportionate. <laughs> Being a plus size model, what was that life like? It was great because I got to sleep late and exercise every day and I had clients who loved me and it was nice. What was nice about it is I was I actually had this conversation with a friend yesterday. I was never hit on like the models in the 80s. You know what I mean? Like you hear all about the drugs and and you've seen the movie Gia and, you know, the being hit on and stuff. Because I was a plus size model, that world didn't happen for me. So I was very lucky and very protected. And I, so I was a perfect size 18 at the time, which was the fit model size. Hmm. So all of the manufacturers who started making plus size clothes needed a perfect size 18 body to put them on. So I made a living. I got paid a lot of money, you know, being chubby and proportionate. I don't think there's anybody who was in the garment center in the 1980s or 90s who didn't see me in my underwear. And that is kind of weird, but it's true. Well, you said that you were the perfect uh, size 18, which yes. meant you really had to watch your weight, right? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually had to watch my weight more than other models because, you know, they could fluctuate a couple pounds. I couldn't like mm. literally they used my body as the guide for making millions of dollars worth of clothing. So if my body changed a half an inch, I would throw an entire line off. Wow. So I worked out every single day. I measured myself every day. I didn't weigh myself every day because that was weird and obsessive and I can't do that. And ladies, if you're listening to this podcast and you're still weighing yourself every day, stop it. When your jeans start getting tight, go to the gym, drink water for a day and you'll be fine. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but no, I went to the gym every day. I measured myself every day and I made sure that I was consistent. So for 18 years, I did not fluctuate sizes. And in fact, I'm actually smaller now. You know, it sounds like you had a great career in New York. Why did you leave? So I lived in Manhattan for 20 years. Mm. And after 9-11, New York stopped feeling like home. So I chose Colorado. And I moved out here. And I have an agent. I have an agent for acting. I have an agent for modeling. So I do a little bit here and there. Well, when you did leave modeling, 
uh, somewhere along there, pretty close after that, you started your own clothing line, right? Way before that. Way before Way that. before Ooh. I left. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when I was 35, I actually started the Carolyn Strauss Collection. I partnered with my first modeling client. He was the first person to hire me. I'll never forget my first job. So I was 21. I was living in New York, and my agent said, we have a job for you, and it's for a plus-size clothing line out on Long Island. And I had to take the train from mm-hmm. Manhattan out to Long Island to this factory where Scott, my, my client at the time, picked me up. <laughs> but he named the clothing line Courtney's Closet, and he was my first real modeling client. And then, God, close to 15 years later, we started a clothing line together because we had stayed friends all those years. Mm. The line was very successful, right? It was. It was. We had the third largest clothing company on the Home Shopping Network. It was called the Carolyn Strauss Collection. We started it in 1997. Um, It all sounds rosy and lovely, but my first time on air was such a disaster that they actually pulled me off air after about 25 minutes. So we had an hour scheduled. Oh, dear. And after 25 minutes, I hear in my ear, Carolyn, get off set. Like what? So we're you know we're on camera and I'm hearing okay Carolyn we're gonna go to break, come off the set, and I'm looking around going but we're we're not done and I'm you know I'm saying to myself we're, we're not done I'm saying into the microphone and they're like <laughs> Carolyn you're gonna clear the set now, we had created a line that was terrible, <laughs> it was bad our oh, no. first our first collection was oh my god it was a short set that had fruit and vegetables on it I mean it was weird like we created some weird stuff but. We created one pair of nylon spandex pull-on slinky type pants that did really well. Everything else bombed. And we had one pair of pants that did really well. But wait a minute. So they pull me off set. I go back to the green room and I'm talking to the buyer and the producers. And I'm like, what's happening? They're like, that was terrible. We didn't make our numbers. Here's something you need to know when you're watching the Home Shopping Network. If something isn't generating at least $2,500 per minute, it's a failure. Ooh, this is not sounding like a success story. They gave us another shot. They loved me as a spokesperson and they loved Scott as a manufacturer. And they said, we're going to give you another shot. Um, Go retool. So we did our first show in fall of um, 1997. And then in spring of 98, we came out with a line of all of that nylon spandex stuff. And the Carolyn Strauss collection was actually born. Tell me, how did this uh, clothing line end? How did you get out of that business? They fired me. No, I'm kidding. They didn't. Um, HSN was bought by QVC. You know that they merged several years ago. If you watch HSN now, it looks exactly the same as QVC, which is kind of sad to me. Um, They were separate companies. And when the merger was happening, a new management came in, and this was in 2015. So I had my line from 1997 till 2015. So I had 18 years of doing live unscripted television on the Home Shopping Network. New management came in, and they decided they wanted to go all labels that people would understand. So here's how I describe it, right? You walk by a bakery. What pulls you into the bakery? It's the beautiful wedding cakes and the gorgeous design things in the front. But what makes the bakery money is the bagels and the rolls Mm. in the back of the bakery. I was a kick-ass bagel. I was a really (laughs) good bagel, right? I made them consistent money for a lot of years. They didn't want bagels anymore. They didn't want to be in the bagel business. They wanted to be in the high-end wedding cake business. Hmm. But then that all stopped. 
That's so, up in 2015. Yeah. So, so in since, 2015, I did my last shows. Mm-hmm. And then you were at a crossroads again. Yes? Yes and no. So I've been doing the keynote speaking and training. And so I'm one of those people who does multiple things at a time. It's funny, in my 20s and 30s, my P's were, you know, pretty proportionate and poised. Now they're peaceful, powerful, and prosperous. That changed the day I turned 40. Those are my adjectives now. So what's your next phase going to be like, my dear? You got some percolating? Of course. So the pivot that I did during COVID is I started doing MC work and I started MCing conferences online and on stage. So now I'm really focusing on getting the MC work because I love it because it's not the keynote thing where you show up, do an hour and leave. I'm involved with the client for six months and helping them do the run of show and the scripting and the vetting of the keynote speakers. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, just curious, uh, going back to your modeling career, d- do models age out? Is that uh, something that happens? Jim and I were talking, we do not see um, mature models much in magazines. Right. I mean, yeah. older women do purchase clothing and they are fashion conscious. I would assume some We are. have more buying power than anybody else, actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. So why yes. don't we see more uh, older models modeling these beautiful clothes? You are preaching to the choir. It's it's also why you don't see as many plus size models. I mean, you've got Amber now, you know, you've got some models, plus size models in the H&M, but they're all in their 20s. So no, I agree with you. I mean, I would love to do more work. But what's nice now, though, is you are seeing plus size women on TV shows. Okay, so I went to some auditions back in the 80s, and I'll never forget one. I walked into um, an agent's office, and they looked at me and said, honey, you're too pretty to clean toilets and kill roaches, and you're too plus size to do anything else on television. Hmm. Wow. And that that's what the world was in the 80s. Wow. Well, you are just a joy to talk to, my friend. You have certainly cut your own path through life, and we like to, uh, at the end of our interviews, ask for advice. What would your advice be for people in our age group? Look around and find something that you've always wanted to do and haven't done it yet, and go do it. What I think is everybody's entitled to a personal private life. And I think what happens for a lot of people is they let the rules that they have lived under their whole lives stop them from doing something. I'm not saying do anything illegal or anything horribly dangerous or anything that can hurt you or your partner. But what I'm saying is don't get stuck because it's the way it's always been. Look, we just came through 18 months of the weirdest time. And if that showed anybody anything is tomorrow's not guaranteed, right? So if there's something that you haven't tried, that again, is not illegal, immoral, or horribly dangerous, go try it. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.